0: kingdom over everything. We're going to talk about that more today. Uh, Man, God's God's up to something this morning. And I'm I'm telling you, um, yeah, I'm not sure what's about to happen. But if you're open and you're willing and your heart is ready, uh, God will do way more than you'll ever ask or imagine. I believe that. Uh, to those of you who served today at the Tri, uh, some of you were up at 5 a.m. or before, thank you. We got to stand on the course and yell at all the bicycles, that were, all the, I think it's what they're called, bikes. How's that? It's called bikes that went by with people on them. There we go. <laughs> they actually had people on them. That's weird. Anyway, uh, so if you served, thank you. I know we had um, anywhere between 70 and 80 out there on the course today helping. That's incredible. Um, we probably had about 70 or 80 that showed up for the church service at nine. That wasn't, um, so that was fun. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, let me do this. Yesterday I did a wedding uh, for Steve and Tiffany. Now Weber, and they're actually here this morning. I'm doing this because they're here this morning. That's crazy. Would you guys stand and say, "Hey, married yesterday"? Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's funny because when uh, he went down to get her and to bring her up, he kissed her like before he was told that he could do that. <laughs> you just don't and you just did it again. So it's really <laughs> fine. But we're so proud of you guys and may we never get too big that we can't honor those kinds of moments. Amen. And, and on that note, how cool is it that we get to all be together for the most part in one service. I'm praying someday that we have a space where we can bring all of Alpine together, that we're not looking at three services, but one, because I think when the church and the family comes together, something happens. When you do Christmas with family, you don't have family at one house and family at another house. You want them all together, no matter how tight that feels. And it just feels right to be together. So thank you for worshiping young people. May, let me ask you a question Those of you who went to camp How many would say that God did something so significant in your life That you'll never be the same as a result? Raise your hand Isn't <laughs> <That> awesome? <laughs> Every major revival in the world Was sparked by the younger generation The future vision of the church Will not come from the present generation It will come from the one that's coming And so we're excited About what God is doing in our youth And um I just want to say this. I want you to hear this. I think the whole reason we're doing this Kingdom Over Everything and the importance of this series to us is that we've been taught through religion to compartmentalize our faith, to only let our faith touch certain things and tell God to stay away from everything else. And I need you to understand, and I need to understand even better that the God of the universe has no desire to have part of you when he gave all of himself. And so we are leaning into this kingdom over everything because we don't want any compartment left untouched. And so today, we're talking about kingdom over work. Um, we'll just see how that... And, and there's some tension in this for me, and here's why. I want to I share this right up front. I want to... Confess this tension because I think you need to understand that this is difficult for me on some level. Um, because many of us actually get to get paid to do the calling that God has placed upon our life for His service. Um, I'm a pastor. I get to come into my job and talk about Jesus. <laughs> if I don't come into my job and talk about Jesus, they ought to get somebody else to do my job. Uh, but I also. Uh, get to come into my job and care for my people and pray over them and and have moments where we can just say the whole day is going to be about prayer. And and, and so I get that many of you walk into places where there is tension, there is achievement, striving for success. No matter who they hurt in the process, there is people climbing the ladder and trying to push everybody out of the way to get there. There is lack of integrity. There is dishonesty. There is pain and there is hurt. And so I get all that. But I believe that if you'll open that compartment of your life and let the kingdom in, it will change everything. Let me tell you real quickly what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom is the rule and reign of God. The reason the umbrella is here, for those of you that haven't been here, is because God invites us to his kingdom through Jesus. And he doesn't want just part of us in the kingdom. He wants us all in the kingdom. And so we simply want to say, God, I don't want in your kingdom, I don't want any part of me left closed to you. I want it over everything, over my family, over my life, over my job, over my hopes, over my dreams, over my neighborhood, over my community, over this world, and over this church. We will not be church-centric. We will be kingdom-centric. And where we are church-centric, we are praying God convicts us to the core so that we are never about Alpine Chapel, but we are about the kingdom of God and what he's doing. So the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It's what God's doing. The best way I've heard it put is it's where Jesus is getting his way, where God's getting his way in your life, in your family, period. And so here's something I want you to, if you've if you, if you got a notes or if you're writing, write this down. There is a kingdom response to everything. There is also a you response, a kingdom of you response to everything, If the kingdom is where Jesus is getting his way, there is a response that you can give in every situation that would be a Jesus getting his way response versus a you getting your way response. And so I want us to understand that if the kingdom of God is what he's doing, where he gets his way, then there is a kingdom response for everything. Jesus spoke about the kingdom right off the bat in Mark chapter one, verse 14 and 15. He said, listen, you've been waiting for this promise for a long time that the kingdom would come. I'm letting you know right now the kingdom is here and the kingdom has come in me. It didn't start at the cross. It didn't start at the resurrection. It started at the moment when Jesus said the kingdom is here. At that very moment, we get to begin to experience the kingdom of God, though someday it will be completed. We get to experience it right now. And so Jesus said, if you want to experience the kingdom, repent and believe. Change the way you're thinking about life, the world, your flesh, and you. Surrender all of that. Step into a relationship with me. Believe. Let it impact every area of your life. You cannot say you believe something and it not change the way you act and behave. If it doesn't change the way we act and behave, we ultimately don't believe it. And so kingdom over everything is this understanding that God's thoughts and ways are not our thoughts and ways. Aren't you glad? Our thoughts and ways get us into trouble more often than not. Sometimes it works out. A lot of times it doesn't. But God is simply saying, listen, your thoughts and ways are not my thoughts and ways. Mine are actually higher. Do you know what higher means? It means he has a better view. Than you do. That rhymed. Write that down. (laughs) For no other reason, but if you're doing poetry later, it will work really well. Jesus came. This is so. Jesus brings the kingdom, and Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. Seek and save those who have yet to discover. That God is is building this kingdom. That God is establishing his kingdom. That God will ultimately establish his kingdom. And every one of us who were lost, the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Jesus comes to rescue us. And if we will step into that, we get to experience the kingdom. He came for us. For the lost world. Matthew 28, 18-20 After he had died, before he would ascend to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, which is where he is today, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That pretty much covers it all. Now go and make disciples of all nations, preaching the good news, telling them about me, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, baptizing them, teaching them to obey my commands, and lo, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, this is good, isn't it? He takes what his mission was and he hands it to us, his followers. And then he says in Acts 1, 3, and I shared this with you last week, I want you to hear it again, that after Jesus had died and rose from the dead, he spent about 40 days with those that, that he was leading and loved and those who were following him. And Acts 1, 3 says that after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. The whole time after his resurrection, he spoke about the kingdom of God. Do you want to know what speaking about the kingdom of God is? It's fun. (laughs) Where God is getting his way and where we want God to get his way. How many of you have areas of your life where you need God to get his way more than you're getting your way? That's what we prayed for a little bit ago and sometimes him getting his way doesn't look like what we think it ought to look like acts 1:8 says Jesus told them to go to the upper room and wait cuz the holy spirit would come he said you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the of the earth look around the room no seriously look around the room The instruments that God is choosing to use to bring reconciliation to the world, to bring the hope of Jesus to the world, those instruments are sitting right here in this room. You and me, what a joy to know that that mission has been given to us and we get to carry it not into just the places we feel comfortable. Do you hear me? Not just into the places we feel comfortable, but everywhere our footsteps, we represent Jesus as his followers. Kingdom instruments, walking to the beat of a different drum. If you're a follower of Jesus, you just look different. We've talked about this. The little church we live in looks too much like the world we live in. You can't impact the world you reflect. Our identity rests fully on whose we are, not so that we can be content in simply being God's kids, but so that we can bear fruit that is kingdom fruit. It's good that we understand that we didn't do anything to earn salvation, but God gave it to us. And because he gave it to us, he wants to spend time with us. And so he loves when we set aside a time during the day, and we don't just bring our list of what we want, but we just want to hang out with him and get to know him. But he also understands that we can't spend the whole day getting to know him because he said, I need you in the world, not of the world. So you learn what it means not to be of the world because you're of him. But when you're of him for a certain amount of time. I'm talking really fast. Stay with me. You're going to go into the world and you're going to bear fruit. That isn't your fruit. It's kingdom fruit. That's what's happening. And we're clapping in that moment because we know it's true and we've seen it. It's compassion and character of Christ. It leads people to Jesus It changes our worry to want. We stop worrying about what we don't have and we start wanting more of what Jesus has. Matthew 6, 31 through 34, Jesus then says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Man, are we dumb. (laughs) I said we. I'm including myself in there, so if you're offended, four weeks ago we preached a message called Be Unoffendable. (laughs) Listen to that and come back And hear what I'm saying, boy, are we dumb because we worry and we get anxious and we fear, which by the way, fear has babies. It's called worry and anxiety. They're connected. And Jesus is saying, stop it. I have got you. If you will put the kingdom first, if you will make life about living out the compassion of Jesus and the character of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, then I have got you. And when I have you, it will look way better than when you have you. Oh, to the world's eyes, you might look better. But to me, you may be lost because you may gain the whole world but lose Jesus. But Jesus says, boy, if you gain me, you've gained everything. Man, if we could just be convinced of that, that's why I said we're dumb. Don't get confused, don't get distracted, don't miss what's most important. Our fear and worry and anxiety of the present can ultimately lead us to miss out on the best present and future. Seeking first the kingdom of God is about seeking his righteousness, his way, his plan, his rule, his glory. Why? Because I'm reminded that I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the rule and reign of God. And so when my rule and reign jumps up, it really pales in comparison. I can go, oh, that doesn't feel like you. I need your rule and reign there. Because I'm in the kingdom. It's wanting that more than anything. His way. I want Jesus to get his way. It changes how I work. I work differently when I'm working for the Lord and not for men. I don't care if we have human bosses. I don't care if we work with little humans or big humans or obsessive humans or arrogant humans or mean humans. It doesn't matter. I am not working for man. I am working for Jesus. And the Bible says that whoever man builds up, man can tear down. But whoever God promotes, man can't touch. And God's promotion is rarely this way. It's almost often this way. And so we want that kind of promotion in the kingdom. Will we be faithful to our calling as children of God who are about doing his work? Or will we compromise and give the people... What they want. Kingdom over everything also includes our work. I want you to respond to a few statements in relationship to work. Okay? So this is participatory, if you don't mind. I feel completely fulfilled and satisfied in my job. The word significantly here is completely if that's you, I feel completely fulfilled and satisfied in my job. The thing I do, stand up. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Ricky. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this, okay? The reason why you're standing right now is because on number three, you're going to stand too. Have a seat. I'm coming back. Here's the next question. The job I have now is close to what I feel is my ultimate vocation or calling my dream job. The job I have now is my dream job. Stand up. You better stand up, Steve. Steve's our youth pastor. Any staff in the room ought to be standing in this moment. Got my, this is my, my, good, yeah. Hey, Chris Baker, I know that's true. You can have a seat. Here's one more. You ready for this? Here we go. I feel close to God in my job. My daily work fulfills me spiritually. That's you. Stand up. Might be some of the same ones. Might not. I want you to look around. Okay? I don't want you to... Listen. Alpine Chapel, the kingdom, is not never has been, never will be, about guilt, shame, and condemnation. If you feel or experience those in this place, that means the enemy has a voice in your life. Tell him to shut up in Jesus' name, period. (laughs) But I want you to know every person sitting in this room that has a job, no matter what it is, paid or unpaid, you can find spiritual fulfillment in it when you open that compartment to Jesus fully. And that's what we need to talk about. You can have a seat. Kingdom over work changes the focus of the what I do to how I do it. We we grew up. My mom and dad are here, by the way. Um, two of my biggest heroes in life. They didn't know I was going to talk about them. Yep. And um, I'm, I'm sure they asked me this question. It's the wrong question, but you may not. You may have asked me the right one. I don't know, but when, when we grow up, we grow up with our parents asking us this question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to do when you grow up? How many grew up with that or raised your kids on that? We talked months back that the focus isn't the what. The focus is the how. That the better question that we need to ask ourselves and our kids and our culture is, how do you want to be when you grow up? My daughter and I were having this conversation in the car. She knew that was coming. And I'm like, how do you want to be when you grow up? She goes, I don't know. I'm like, no, really? Like, how do you want to be? Do you want to be a liar? She's like, no. I said, well, then you want to be honest. Yeah. Do you want to be uh, somebody different in public than you are privately? She's like, no. Then you want integrity. And we kind of went down this list, and it was just really obvious. She started to catch on. We have to remember that it's not as important what we do. It's important. How we do it means everything, especially when you're kingdom people. It becomes the most important piece of this. And, and the reason that it's important when we're kingdom people is the reason you ask 10 different people what a Christian is, you get 10 different answers. Is because we found it real easy to say we were one thing but live another. And so, what we did in our culture as Christians, living out more often than not a religion, is we gave people many different images of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And a lot of them are wrong because God's way and the how is very clear. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. It looks like Jesus. And how many, you know, some Christians that don't look like Jesus like at all and don't even want to. Right. And we, Jesus talked about his own faith. He was hard on it. We can talk about ours. Growing up, it was really important that I represented the family well. And if I did things that were out of character of our family, my parents would sit me down and say, that's not who we are. We're not those kind of people. We don't act like that. We behave differently. Are you tracking with me? That happens with most of our families. If you're in public and your kid is throwing themselves on the floor in Walmart, screaming and kicking a tantrum, you're like, that's not how we act. Because ultimately, people are looking at you as a parent going, horrible. Can't control your kid. Don't forget, you're older. Right? You know what I'm saying. You need to understand. Hear me. When you're a follower of Jesus, you carry the family name everywhere. And you will either cause Jesus to be glorified, or you will cause Jesus great harm. We. And so it's really, really important that you understand the kingdom as followers of Jesus has to be overwork, And how we work is incredibly, incredibly important. And let's unpack uh, our work for a minute, whether you call it an occupation or a job or the thing that fills the majority of your day that you see as work Paid or unpaid, you need to understand the difference between an occupation and a vocation. When it comes to our work, there is a difference. Vocation is a strong internal call or, or drive toward a particular way or activity of doing things, it is a strong internal calling, drive to a particular way of doing things. Here's what I would tell you if you're a follower of Jesus the particular way of doing things is the kingdom. It's being the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, lived out in the world. It's the character of Jesus coming through instead of the lies of the enemy coming through. I'm, ta- I'm really busting this open, and I may be overanalyzing, and I apologize, but I want you to get this. There is a kingdom response to everything. There is a kingdom response to everything, to your employer, to the person you work with, to the person you like, to the one you don't like to the job you have now, to the job you wish you had. There is a kingdom response to all of it. And more often than not, the reason we don't take a stand in our workplace for Jesus is because too often we live our kingdom over his. And so if we're going to compromise, then it may be best to check Jesus at the door so I don't embarrass him. And so nobody even knows that we're followers of Jesus. And yet, I believe that if what's inside comes out and Jesus isn't coming out, then Jesus might not be inside. And I'm not judging that for you. That's a question I asked three and a half years ago and was not happy with the answer. I needed him to have full control, not partial So vocation is a strong internal call or drive toward a particular way. And for followers of Jesus, it's the kingdom. But an occupation is what you fill your time with or your regular employment. Every occupation is not a calling, but every calling involves some kind of doing. We've been talking a lot about a church that when Jesus shows up, he changes you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Right? Not because you try hard, but because the Holy Spirit's there and you're spending time with Jesus. And when you're doing that, there's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, gentleness, self-control coming out of you because that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we understand about this whole thing. So our occupation is not a calling, but every calling involves some kind of doing. So, So that's what God gave us, but there's also effort that goes beyond being. Our passions aren't passions if they don't involve action. And so if we're passionate about Jesus and his mission, then there you'll see Jesus and his mission coming out of our lives. No matter where we are. Because we're in the kingdom and the kingdom doesn't have compartments. It just has God's way. As followers of Jesus in the kingdom, we have a vocation that impacts our work. And sometimes those are one and the same. Guys, there's a tension here, and I'm, I'm talking way too much like normal, but. And I'm saying that because I just want you to get this, and, and maybe, maybe this will be enough. Some of us sit here in this room, and we get what we get to do and get paid doing it is the calling God has placed in our life to make a difference in the world, wherever it is He's placed us. And that's awesome. We ought to cherish that. But I also know that there are people in this room, and you work a job that has nothing to do with your calling. Maybe you don't even know what God's calling for you is specifically based on your giftings and talents, but you know that you're doing what you do. And then there's others of us that we have a job that we go to. It's not where we're finding fulfillment because we have this other thing that we do when we're not at work that that's our calling and that's our passion and that's what we go do. What I want you to understand is as a follower of Jesus, your calling is to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, to go and make disciples of all nations to encourage one another in the faith to build each other up to take the gifts and talents that God has used you the time the talent and the treasure and to give it away for the kingdom's sake that's our calling that's what he's doing and that calling can come to bear on everything you do whether it's full-time part-time in the ministry or not in the ministry it's all important if all we had were pastors and missionaries in the church we'd be in trouble we need some doctors and lawyers and People flying planes and people, we need need the church everywhere. Moms, dads, tattoo artists, engineers. I mean, I could keep going and it just feels like it'd take a lot of time, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) The problem is our identity gets too wrapped up in our vocation instead of our vocation coming as a result of our identity. I am God's and God's only and I am no one else's. I am God's before it all. Which, there's a link then between vocation and identity. They're intertwined. And we live in a culture that gets its identity off of what we do. And so what we, what, when what we do goes away, so does our identity. But God's coming along and saying, no, you need to know whose you are. And when you know whose you are, you're mine. It doesn't matter what you do. It just matters how you do it. Because you can be my voice and mouthpiece anywhere. Because Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always till the very end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So guess what? You don't get to check Jesus at the door. He's actually there with you when we compromise. When we don't stand. There's a result to abiding that actually shows up. It's the context for an identity to be displayed and exercised. It's basically meaning that If we know whose we are, it's going to show up in everything that we do. We get vocation before identity instead of identity before vocation. Everyone has a role to play in the church. No matter what you do or where you do it, how do you bear fruit in those spaces for the kingdom is the question that we have to ask. Kingdom fruit. Don't you love being told what to do? See, isn't it funny how we laugh in those moments? Everybody's like, (laughs) no, I don't love that at all. Well, God doesn't just come along and say that he's going to tell you what to do. He's actually going to tell you how to do it. See, that drives me nuts. Fine, you want to tell me what to do? That's fine. My wife wants to tell me to take out the trash. That's totally fine. I didn't need reminded in the first place, but that's fine. If that's what you want to do, you can tell me to take out the trash. But you start telling me how to do it, okay, we got problems. Why? Because I got pride. Just like all of you. I know how to do I know I know how to take out the garbage. I know what I'm doing, right? Listen, this is difficult. Why? Because God is coming in and saying, not only am I telling you what to do, that there, there is a thing as a follower of Jesus that I've called you to, but I'm asked, actually going to tell you how to do it. It looks a lot like my son. That's the reason he came and modeled it. That's why his life is just as important as his death. Okay? There is that sense of, of absolutely I am going to show you what to do because my ways are higher, my thoughts are higher. I've got the better perspective, so you actually want me. We're like, no, that's fine. I love that I'm a child of God, but let me take care of the how. What? That's dumb. Because our ways aren't higher, and we don't have that perspective. How crazy is it to let God call us his, but not tell us how to be his in our doing, that is our everyday doing, whether it's our job or not. Now that I'm a child of God, I'm going to go figure out the how because I have a better view than God's. No, his thoughts and his ways are higher. What do you want to be when you grow up instead of how has crucially hurt us. How is the most crucial and we need to let God into the how. God's role in all this takes something from a simple occupation to a powerful vocation. God's role. When God steps in, he takes your occupation to a powerful vocation. Why? Because he adds a purpose to it that you couldn't add by yourself. I want to share a story with you before we end this morning about King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. You can find King Saul's story in 1 Samuel 9 through 15. But real quick, I want you to look at a story in 13, a lesson that we can learn from King Saul that I think is incredibly important for us this morning. King Saul is doing war with the Philistines. It was the typical enemy of Israel in those days. And they were outnumbering him 12 times. And he was worried and in fear. And He had been given commands by God. If you're a king, you do king things. If you're the priest, you do priest things. And if you're the prophet, you do prophet things. And that was God's way. You didn't cross boundary lines. And so the king can't do what the priest or the prophet does. And when you lived in that context, it means you trusted God. God has a way. And when you live in God's way, it means you trust God. Are you with me? And so there was a way to do it, but the enemy was pressing in. And so King Saul thought he would take matters into his own hands, which ultimately means he didn't trust God. And here's what happens in verse eight. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. Fear always introduces worry and anxiety, which always takes us into compromise. We are either called to be faithful or we are called to compromise. No matter what the price is around faithfulness. Listen to this. Saul Saul waited there seven days for Samuel as Samuel had instructed him earlier. This is the prophet. But Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. He was acting in the needs of the people, the pleasing of the people instead of God. And he was acting in fear. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. Why? Because he knew he was in trouble. But Samuel said, what is this you've done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would, and the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgah, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you. I mean, listen to the rationalization of compromise. He's the king, and so are we. Hey, if I make that stand, then I'll probably lose my job, or I won't get that raise, or I won't get that bonus, or so-and-so won't like me, and maybe that, or that won't happen, and this won't. Oh, but remember, remember, God's got it. I want you to hear this, listen to this. How foolish, this is Samuel talking now. S- You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. Hmm. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. Listen to me. All God is simply saying is be faithful. And don't compromise, no matter where you are, especially in your work. And if you will do so, God will move on your behalf. It may not look the way you think it will, but if it's God, it's better. But fear will always produce compromise, always. The desire to please man over God will always produce compromise. And in the end, you lose your kingdom and God gives it to someone else. This is an incredible story for us. Why? Because if you look at Jesus, and I'm closing, and we're going to sing a song. If you look at Jesus, the people wanted a king, and God gave them Saul. But Saul was about pleasing the needs of the people. I want you to hear this. Stay with me. The needs of the people. Saul lived in fear of the enemy and ultimately lost his kingdom. In steps Jesus, the temptation in the wilderness to the garden And the enemy still pressing in. And Jesus says, God, if there's any other way, not my will, but your will. Why? Because the people were looking for a king that would come and conquer Rome and establish the Jewish people forever. And Jesus said, But that's not the will of God. The will of God is that the Son of God would come and die and be sacrificed once and for all so that nobody else would have to and take away the sins of the world. Why? Because he loves us. And so the enemy was saying, Just like Saul, Jesus, don't do it. But Jesus said, Shut your mouth, Satan. I will do what God's calling me to do. And he goes to a cross and becomes the king God wanted him to become. He models it for us. And church, listen to me. Going into Jerusalem, he understood whose he was. And because of that, he was willing to do what he was designed to do. He died, he rose, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. Let me give you a practical way this is lived out. Scott? Scott? Debra, where are you at? Scott's one of our elders and has been a dear friend of mine for a long time. Do you have a microphone? There it is. And a lot of times in my life, man, this guy uh, has been there when nobody else has. And spoken truth and encouragement and words, and I love his heart for the kingdom. And I want you to share with them, just in these final moments here how this was lived out in your life just recently.
1: Well, I won't talk about dress for success because that's not really part of the story, but remember when we used to dress up for church? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, So I I was sharing with the guys uh, yesterday morning that I was on a business trip, I, I was sitting in my hotel room and I got a call from the president of our business and uh, which doesn't happen too often. And he said, Scott, um, we're making some changes in the organization and your role is impacted. And I kind of knew what was coming, you know, I didn't expect it, but I know what that means. And, uh, and he said, I'm bringing somebody in from outside to take your role and I want you to take the open role on your team. And uh, so in that moment, I, I just prayed in my spirit, Lord, give me grace, give me wisdom, and he did, yep. <laughs> and so um, you know I can't take any credit for it, but I received it in a way that I think surprised him. Uh, he wasn't expecting me. I just said, hey, whatever's best for the company, and then uh, through that, God also gave me a level of excitement for the new role. I'm really excited about it, and uh, so a couple of weeks later, it was announced. I had my whole team together in Cleveland. The new guy was there, and I'm helping him get settled in, And uh, and people are asking, like, you know, didn't that, I mean, my performance was fine. We were beating our goals. There was really no reason Reason I understood. But, um, you know, I just felt that God said, accept this. I've got you. Uh, you know, it was organizationally it was a step down. Financially, there was a little impact. But um, I, I love the role I'm in, and I love the opportunity to share with people when they ask. You know, my identity is not in my job right my identity is not in my checkbook it's in what God says I am who God says I am and uh, this was just I see this is a a wonderful opportunity to, to share that and I hope more people ask about it you, you had people watching
0: you in the business respond the way you did the people you were leading who are now going to be led by the person you're helping get comfortable in the role what was their response to your response
1: um, i i think like I, there was a guy that called me on Friday and said you know what this doesn't seem fair right we were doing great you were doing great you're a good leader we love having you as our our boss and i just i said what i just said you know this isn't in my hands and all I can choose is how i respond and uh, again by god's grace uh, it's it's going really well it's a kingdom response
0: and it may not always go well
1: <laughs> well, all
0: right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Scott. Right, thanks, Steve. Right. Can you guys give Scott a hand? We work for the Lord. Whether it's the chance that we get to be paid to do what God's called us to do, or it's a job that that calling to be God's can show up in. How many in this room would say, I want God to show up in my work way more than he does? I want every response to be kingdom response. Will you stand if that's you? That doesn't mean everybody has to stand. I get that. If you're sitting, nobody's judging. Okay? I mean, maybe a little bit. <laughs> We're humans. But man, I just want God. This, that's a lot. I mean, hang on. This is, I just got to tell you this. Kingdom over everything, this is dangerous. This is dangerous to simply say, God, I want you to show up in my work. That may mean God will take you out of what you're doing into something else. That may mean he may rearrange some things. It may mean a lot of things. Chris, I'm going to ask you to come. I've asked asked Chris to, if we can hand him a microphone. I've asked Chris to come. Many of you know Chris Baker. Anytime I get a chance to hug him, I want to. Chris was a a tattoo artist in L.A. making over $150,000 a year, driving a nice car. And God got a hold of his life and he said, God, I'll give you what I do. And God said, Great, I want you to do it for free. You've heard his story, it's one of my favorite. And he said, Last year, I think they cleared 26,000 as a family. And he said, I've never been happier. He goes, I may have a car held together by duct tape and bubble gum or no car at all. <laughs> he turned it on. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I don't even have that car anymore. (laughs) I'm driving my wife's powder blue Volkswagen bug out there.
0: That we got to get a picture
2: of. It's super manly.
0: God stripped me of pride. Yeah, yeah, right. He does that. Over the last six years, Chris has done um, over 4,600 cover-ups, tattoo cover-ups of women who have been rescued from sex trafficking and gang members. You let Jesus invade your work. And I want you to pray over us that we'll let him do the same to us. Can you do that? Absolutely. Happy
2: to do that. Lord Jesus, thank you first for this day, this glorious, beautiful day to bring all these brothers and sisters together and to start the day by serving you in this community, Lord. It is such a pleasure to be a part of this Alpine family. And Lord, I pray that you not just plant seeds of work and everyone sitting here today are standing with us, but that you fertilize those seeds and you let them grow and you let them grow quickly because, Lord, so many of us wear glasses to see vision in the world, but we don't really see what your vision is for us. Lord, let us center ourselves in prayer and ask how you want us to serve and take that work out into the community. Not just our work isn't our nine to five, but it's 24-7. We love to come here and worship as a family every Sunday or Saturday afternoon. But Lord, this is just a pep rally for the rest of of this week. There's six more days that we want to do your work and raise people up, bring people out of hopelessness and despair and pain where they feel like they have no way to go. Lord, let them be lifted up to see yeah. that you're the light in this world. In Jesus name. Yes, Let Lord. us do that work every single day, whether it be in our workplace, our school, uh, going to the grocery store. Let us reflect you. You created us in your image. Let us reflect that image, Lord. Yes. I ask this for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. Lord, lift us up to be the warriors that you created us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.